It's another Sunday night in comedy. And tonight we're talking to a pair of comics who are definitely hashtag winning. Winner, Gagnon. It's a new era in Canadian showbiz. And these are two of the comics making big moves from festival galas and comedy's top awards all the way to network TV. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You're listening to an all-new Inside Jokes, baby, right here on 640 Toronto, and of course streaming all over planet Earth, wherever you have Tay Internets on the Global News Radio Network. And as always, brought to you by our wonderful friends at Hakeem Optical, helping you see the world around you more clearly. I don't recommend that right now, but what can you do? This is the world we live in. <laughs> our producer, Vince Tedesco, is on the line. Vince, how you doing, buddy? We have, it's, it's an interesting show tonight. It's the winner's circle. We have two Canadian comics who are both just kind of cleaning up out there right now. We've got a comic who made it all the way to the top five on the inaugural season of Canada's Got Talent. And then a little later on in the show, out in Vancouver, which, I mean, that scene has just been blowing up lately. We've got Andrea Jin, who took home this year's Juno Award for Comedy Album of the Year. Yeah, there was a lot of talent up for Comedy Album of the Year. I mean, Toronto's own Keith Pedro. Uh, there was, there's just been a lot of, you know, heavy hitters going there. So that's a hell of an achievement, you know, to kind of, for Andrea, to, you know, she was just on New Faces, what, two years ago? Yeah, so and it's in Hayway in the industry. And it's interesting, too, because we were talking to Hisham Kaladi about this a couple episodes ago. But uh, the fact that, yes, it's been such a stacked lineup of comics, of albums on the Juno Awards. And also remembering the fact that for like 20 plus years, they just didn't include comedy at the Junos anymore. So they really only brought this back a couple of years ago. And the response has been huge. I mean, this is the Junos have kind of become a benchmark Thing for Canadian comedy again. It's it's an award yeah. show that people are paying it's, attention to. It's a hell of an achievement. And on the flip side of that, Canada's Got Talent, a, you yeah. know, a, a variety show mostly focused on singers, songwriters, musical artists, you know, the couple, you know, trapeze acts that fly around. A comedian breaks the top five. A that comedian really comedian never happens on these shows. It really amazing, does. Amazing. You kind of see comics on there and, you know, Usually, usually they bomb and it's kind of fodder for that reason. But even the ones that blow the judges away on these award shows, it's never really skewed towards comedy. You don't really see comics climbing all the way up like that. Courtney Gilmore did. So, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, we've got the winner's circle right here on Inside Jokes. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on 640 Toronto and, of course, Coast to Coast. Canada-wide on the Global News Radio Network, brought to you by our good friends at Hakeem Optical. Because the world is stuck in 2020, and now your vision can be too. I will never get sick of that slogan because... With the drum roll after that. Nothing down. stops being terrible in the world. But tonight, it is all about the winner's circle. We have two Canadian comics who are just absolutely cleaning up out there. One thing we've been talking about a lot on this show lately is just how much... Canadian comedy has sort of bloomed during all of this and changed. I mean, the comics we're seeing on network TV, the comics we're seeing headlining festivals, starting record labels, doing their own tours is sort of this new era, this new generation of comics. And it's almost like in the last few years, the comics 
took over the industry and made it their own. Uh, so first up on the show, we have one of Toronto's favorites, Courtney Gilmore, who just made it to the top five in the inaugural season of Canada's Got Talent. Courtney, how are you doing tonight? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I am great. I mean, first off, congrats are in order. Thank you so much. This is going to be so Canadian of me to say this, but it was top eight finalists on Canada's Got top Talent. Eight. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like correcting that, but I don't know in case they like tweet me and they're like, actually, you're in the top eight. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to be very modest about it. That's I know, be, I know. It is. I mean, you know, we we're talking to you before before the show. It's you know on on these on these talent shows like you know American Idol, I guess, was sort of the OG one that's that spearheaded all this. But all, all these shows, once in a while, you'll see a stand up on there, and they either kind of eat it in front of the panel. Or they do well and the panel likes them, but that's just kind of it. They don't really go further than that. These shows are never, like, comics just never seem to be able to sort of break that barrier on these shows. Mm -hmm. So for you on this first season of Canada's Got Talent, to be able to just, like, blow through the competition and make it to, as you said, the top eight. I mean, it's really unprecedented for stand-ups on these shows. Yeah, I mean, thank you. I It definitely is more of a musical and dance-oriented show, just as a Got Talent franchise, that is primarily. I mean, they've got some, they've got, like, magicians and people doing, like, cracking cans with their teeth and stuff. Like, you do see the <laughs> occasional, but it's, like, more... If, you, if they're going to break away from music and dance, it is going to be like a crazier act, like like breaking open Coke cans with your teeth than over a stand-up comedian, I feel. So yeah, it definitely felt cool to be able to, to make it to the end. We had some really good Canadian representation though throughout the show. And uh, yeah, I mean, that would have been a tough choice to even choose between the, the four or five of us that there were, but but yeah, I was happy to just be a stand-up in the end. That was that was a that was a really cool goal to to have met. Yeah. <laughs> and I think like how much of a feat is that too? Because I'm sure you know, you know, in, in stand-up in a city like Toronto, especially sometimes you end up doing these like random sort of variety shows, and it always kind of it's always a tough hill to climb for comics to sort of reset the room after something like that. You yeah. get up after a musical act, which is an entirely different energy and people are all, they're into it and they're pumped up and all that. And you kind of have to like reset the entire tone of the room because now you're turning an entire theater of people over from some big spectacle or some musical act. And now you're going, okay, but now I need you to actually like reset mm -hmm. and focus on what I'm saying and sit tight and listen. And you have to really recapture that room after something like that. How, how, how difficult was that in shooting that as a comic? It was quite a challenge because as you said, you know, even if you're on a, like a live variety show locally, you have the room and the space to be able to recalibrate the room with your own energy and be like, hey guys, how's it going? How's everyone doing? Like you on TV, like a show like that, you can't do that. You can't warm up the room. You're just, you follow a dance troupe and who, who, who have like moved the judges to tears and then you're like, so I'm single, like immediately, <laughs> like you, there's no room, yeah. there's no, there's no room temperature, uh, easy transition. It's like hot. And, and I mean, that's, that's all to say that I think I did well doing that. And the, the audiences were amazing, but it definitely is nerve wracking because you don't have, you have to do two to three minutes tops every set and you can't go over and you don't have time to sort of like 
put feelers out the way you would at like a regular theater show or a bar. So that was definitely a creative challenge was like, okay, I'm just going to dive right into this. So yeah. Or was there I, a timer or uh, did they give you the light at any point? Was it like a comedy um, Yeah, there was a timer. They don't give you the light, but there was, you see, you could see like the clock and stuff at, at oh, I mean, they, were, they didn't threaten to like cut my mic or anything, but it was like <laughs> at, <laughs> the first two auditions, I honestly thought that they were going to, because I, I just didn't know, like that was my first um, show of this caliber. And so I just figured a strict two to three minutes, like we can't go over because it's TV. So um yeah that was that was a bit of a challenge um the semi-finals performance though which was my favorite of my of my sets um that was strict covid protocols and there was almost no audience for that at all um it was mostly crew crew and like a few family members of other performers were allowed i would say there was max 50 people in a huge huge theater it was that was nerve-wracking for sure well, it's interesting too, actually, you know, last season we were talking to John Hastings about that yes, and he yeah. did America's Got Talent and same thing. It was mid COVID in there. It was basically the crew and the panel of hosts, you know, and he was talking about how uncomfortable that is because obviously you're in this big empty theater and, and yeah. you're being filmed on network television. You want these big reactions to your jokes, but you don't have it because there's like 10 people in this big hollow space. Yeah. Do you think coming up in the Toronto scene kind of gave you those chops in a way, because as you know, a lot of the mics you come up sort of cutting your teeth in are like, you're there at two in the morning and there's five other comics in the back of the room on their phones because they're just waiting to do their time. And you kind of have to really, really struggle to get that sort of reaction and attention in some of these spaces. Absolutely. I do think the Toronto scene definitely helped me there. I mean, it was also the, the set, that audience as meager as it was, they were there for it. They were hyped, but I had to go in being like, this could, this could look differently than how I planned, but you know, you just go with it and expect either the worst or best. You just do your best. Yeah. yeah. But John Hastings killed it though. And he was, he was able to mention it. Right. And uh, yes. yeah. 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 He kind of, yeah. He, he, he sort of poked fun at it, but yeah, yes. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I think, think we weren't allowed to, I think we weren't supposed to really mention that. So yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> it's almost more daunting in a way. I mean, as yeah. a, I mean, stepping out on stage in front of this huge audience in a theater and there's network TV cameras. I mean, obviously that brings its own sort of anxiety, but it's, a, it's an excitement. It's sort of like you're feeding off that energy. So it's almost more nerve wracking in a way to just play to the, <laughs> to the opposite. Totally. Uh, but anyways, we're going to come back with more Courtney Gilmore. Right here, it's the Winner's Circle on Inside Jokes. Hi, my name is Gaddy Martinello and you're listening to Inside Jokes, where it's all funny. Welcome back to Inside Jokes right here on 640 Toronto, brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical, helping you see the world around you more clearly. But whatever you do, do not watch the news with your Hakeem Optical glasses. For the love of God, don't look at the news. Do literally anything else. Look out a window. Go people watching in a park. Do not watch the news. But anyways, 
We have Courtney Gilmore joining us again on Inside Jokes. It is the winner's circle tonight. Courtney, of course, was just in the top eight in the inaugural season of Canada's Got Talent, which, by the way, I mean, Courtney, we're talking a bit before the break about how, you know, you came up in the Toronto scene. This is sort of our hub, and it's mm-hmm. less so now, probably post-pandemic, but at a point, Toronto comedy was pretty oversaturated. I mean, there was open mics everywhere, everywhere you turned in yeah. this city. But, I mean, it's 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 kind of a good place to cut your teeth as a comic and and sort of you're playing to a lot of crowds sometimes that are, you know, it's a surprise comedy show for them, which doesn't always go over great. So you have to sort of like get that reaction from people and be able to pull that out of a room and sort of build your own energy in it. One thing I always thought was interesting about your comedy too, straight out of the gate. Like I remember watching your, you know, when you, when you first hit the scene and seeing you at shows and stuff, when a lot of, when most comics start out, the first few years are really all about they're trying to figure out what their voice is. You know, they always end up emulating whoever they like and whoever they watch. It's always like, I'm going to be the next Bill Burr. I'm going to be the next Amy Schumer, whatever it is. They don't really know what their voice is yet. And they kind of, even if it's unintentionally, they kind of just sound like a carbon copy of comics that they admire. Right. Your comedy was interesting because it was like straight out of the gate. You automatically had your own voice. Like you were talking about, you're talking about you're talking about being single and living in the city and dating and sex and all this stuff but you sort of like had your own viewpoint figured out right away you are you it's like it's like you had been planning this forever or something i mean <laughs> was it something that you always saw yourself doing because you really didn't sound like anybody else you were just whoa who is this person and you just seemed so comfortable and familiar in it right as you were first attempting it yeah, well, thank you. I, I mean, I take that as a huge compliment because I, I mean, I didn't have, um, I didn't have like a, a specific role model who really emulated my viewpoint, as you said, because I'm talking about, I mean, for your listeners or anyone who doesn't know me, like I'm a congenital amputee missing three limbs. That's like a big that's a big thing to address on stage and um as you do yeah and I think I did toy around with my voice in terms like when I was first starting I didn't know whether I was doing like one-liners for a while I was like trying to you know hone in on that material in different styles but Mm -hmm. but yeah you're right I definitely had my own unique viewpoint and I had I had stories and jokes to to deliver through that lens and so I think that helped having like a wealth of material that I had just accumulated throughout my life and um yeah I I I definitely played around at the beginning with like what my style is but I do think I do think it helped to have a very unique vantage point right from the beginning I don't think that I always knew no I, I I was always a very shy introverted child and teenager and I don't think it was until my early to late 20s that I tapped into like a performative aspect that I really didn't know I had I honestly was just on the internet like writing jokes that I wanted people to click on and find funny I never knew that I could perform them that wasn't something I did I aspired to until way later it is kind of funny because you know a lot of the people you meet in comedy were sort of you know the outcasts and the introverts and stuff like that because people you know you get those people coming up to you all the time oh you're a comedian say something funny right now it's like they don't understand that it's not like comedians aren't I'm the funny person at the house party it's more like you you sort of it's internalized and you have a writer's brain and you switch into that mode but a lot of the people that you meet in comedy are like yeah I was a shy kid or I hated public Mm -hmm. speaking and I was terrified of all this stuff I think too I mean do you think you kind of 
especially early on, caught audiences off guard in a good way because, again, you were talking about your physical features. As soon as you get on stage, you address that, which it is a big thing to to bring to your comedy, which you obviously you do quite well. Do you think audience, because audiences might have some sort of an idea of you before you even get to say anything, and you hit them with this material that's just like, bam, and you completely blow their minds, and they they sort of formed an idea about you before you even jumped into your material, and I think I think you blew a lot of people away by doing that. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is a little bit scary to just kind of address a topic that I think most people aren't used to making light of. Um, And that was my experience on the first audition of of Canada's Got Talent. The judges even said so. They were like, we didn't know at first. Are we allowed to laugh until you kind of made us comfortable? Which has always been sort of my unspoken responsibility. But um, which, you know, makes sense. I can't just go out and say any jokes that aren't funny and then expect people to laugh. They have to be they have to be hitting hard. Um, but it's, it's funny that you mentioned, um, the way that audiences would have perceived me before is that like, I think because I talk so much about my normal everyday life and there are so many people in the audience who have never met anyone like me. Um, I've noticed that, especially in my beginnings of comedy, people thought that I was like a dark comic because I was making jokes about disability. I would get booked on a lot of dark comedy shows like XXS or X-rated dark and dirty comedy shows because they thought that like me dating as a person without hands is like the darkest thing that could happen to anybody. And, you know, it was kind of to my advantage because I I was good at those shows too. And so I sort of drew in a fan base through that, but that was really funny. That was my first perception is like, oh, audiences think this is dark comedy. That's (laughs) (laughs) It is true. Like I remember you being on like the dark comedy festival and all that stuff. And you're like, but I'm just talking about dating and paying my rent in the city and like you know it's just like, your own ooh, take on I know. <laughs> was that why you ended up doing that tv clean show at comedy bar by the way um i don't know i thought i thought that was just kind of like an interesting niche to do to help people prepare prepare for tv comedy but yeah like it seems like people are like oh she's doing a, a 180 by doing clean comedy now <laughs> like <laughs> it's it was- so funny though but yeah it's almost like you you kind of just sat on the sidelines and watched people's reactions. And it's like, both of you are wrong. I'm just doing comedy. Yes, <laughs> totally, totally. Just, just talking really- about my life as a yes. comic. That's it. Uh, Courtney, once again, I mean, huge congrats. Because as we were saying, Thank you. you know, on these shows, again, sometimes you see comics on them, but they don't really sort of make it past that starting point. It doesn't really happen. So it's it's nice to see, especially one of our own favorites here in Toronto. And before we do let you go, for our listeners at home, I know there's certain stuff coming up that you can't announce, but where can we find you on social, see you live, catch some upcoming shows, all that good stuff? Yeah, uh, you can find me at Courtney J. Gilmore on Instagram, and I post my shows there, as well as CourtneyGilmore.com is my website. website. I have all my live show dates and uh, everything is there. I do have a, I did just tape a, a special for uh, Just for Laughs New Wave, which is coming out on CBC Gem. I don't know when, but I'll post about it so you can watch it on there. Excellent. And again, CBC Gem, I mean, we've had a lot of comics from, from the network on recently. I mean, yes. it's really refreshing to see. It's sort of a snapshot of who's who in Canadian comedy right now. It's, the networks are finally paying attention, which is great to see. Gem has been doing a lot of good stuff. All right, Courtney Gilmore. Thank you so much. Congrats Thank again. You. We will you catch so you live soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me, bye. Thank you. Thanks, Courtney.
name is Ola Data, aka Showtime Data, and you're listening to Inside Jokes. No, it's not the same as it was. Welcome back to the Winner's Circle right here on Inside Jokes. Thank you again to Courtney Gilmore here in Toronto. Catch her live at upcoming shows. And of course, you can check out her JFL New Faces Gala that'll be airing on CBC Gem. Now we are flipping it over to the West Coast because Vancouver has been really just blowing up as a scene these last few years and pumping out some of the best comedy albums in the country. You've got 604 Records out there. You've got comedy here often. and it's just been a comedy album factory out there. And just some of the best comics in Canada are really calling that scene home right now. And speaking of, we have this year's Juno winner for comedy album of the year, Andrea Jin on the line with us bright and early in the morning out in Vancouver. <laughs> Andrea, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? We're good. I mean, me. first off, congrats is in order. You took home the top prize at the Junos this year for comedy album, which I mean, it's 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 nice to see because a few years ago comedy albums weren't a thing at the Junos. There was like a 20 plus year gap where they just didn't bother doing anything for comedy, which in Canada seems insane. But anyways, the <laughs> Junos are back. I mean, we were talking to one of the other nominees, Tisham Kaladi, a couple weeks ago on the show, just about the fact that it's nice seeing the Junos having this representation of who's who in Canadian comedy right now and what the industry looks like and who are sort of the performers to watch. And the fact that Junos means something to Canadians again, I feel like maybe it's sort of a, a side effect of the last couple of years as well, but it seems like Canadians are finally paying attention to our own comics and our own entertainers and watching Canadian content. And the Junos is an award show that actually like means something to Canadians now again. Yeah, no, I love that. It, uh, it feels great like to be a Canadian comedian right now um and there's so many albums coming out and they're getting recognized like it feels more uh like yeah we're pumping up our own co comics and uh it, it feels great to to do what we do here uh because i know a lot of canadian com comedians like go to the states um but right now here is great too you know so that's kind of it too i mean we were you know We've been talking to a lot of Vancouver comics lately because, again, I mean, a huge bulk of the comedy albums that everybody's listening to in this country have been coming out of Vancouver these last few years. It's really blown up as a scene. Uh, we were talking to Ivan Decker and, and Simon King a, a few a while back on the show just about how, you know, it didn't happen overnight. There's been comics in Vancouver trying to sort of build things up there for decades, really. But... Mm -hmm. It seems like in the last few years, Vancouver has really come into its own as a comedy destination and, and sort of its own unique voice as a hub in Canadian comedy, which is interesting because, I mean, you know, L.A. is the next step from there. You've got Seattle and Portland right next door. You've got all these scenes that a lot of Canadian comics always just wanted to sort of do a few festivals in Canada, get their paperwork and then go. Mm -hmm. But now it feels like Vancouver, even for there's American comics that have moved to Vancouver, Vancouver feels like it's a destination now. Like, is that, do you see yourself staying and working there? Cause it used to be build your way up in whatever city you're from and then move to Toronto. Doesn't feel that way anymore. It feels like Vancouver is sort of its own destination now. Yeah, I agree. Vancouver has a great scene. Um, I mean, right now we don't really have a comedy club, but it was great when I first started and it's still great. I think we're just trying to find uh, our way back from the pandemic, but uh, it 
when I first started, there were, yeah, like the comedy mix and yuck yucks in Vancouver. And uh, there was a lot of stage time and I was able to like build what I wanted to in a short amount of time with all the stage time. And, and uh, I've been here the whole time. I barely go to Toronto. Um, so yeah, it's very sustainable here as a scene. For the album for you, I mean, the, talking to sort of the generation before us in Canadian comedy, there was always this adage of like, no, you have to you have to be doing comedy for 15, 20 years and do road work and do all the festivals before yeah. you even think about doing an album. But of course, now with the independent labels like 604, like Howl and Roar, like Comedy Records and digital platforms, comics have figured out all this sort of infrastructure to reach out to an audience themselves and build their own audience and make their own content and really be in charge of their own careers. You don't have to go to sort of the quote unquote gatekeepers anymore. You can make your own money. You can build your own audience. Do you think that changed the dynamic for you as a comic of when you felt it was time to put this album out? Like when did you, when did you know that this particular part of your material, this snapshot of right now was, was album ready? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, like you said, the the independent labels, they really uh, took a hand and uh, had had a hand in uh, uh, helping us out with all that, like all the kind of uh, newer comedians like 604 actually approached me for an album. Um, and they and at the time I was only uh, three years in, you know, which is very, yeah, it's very fresh. And so, um, but they said like, oh, we don't care. We really like you. Like, um, uh, what, whatever time you have, like we could do work around that. Uh, yeah. we could do, you know, a short, a short album too. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, an hour or 40 minutes or an hour, but I kind of like, I, I, I always want to like kind of meet to put myself up to the challenge. And so I, you know, in that short time, um, I, I kind of worked towards that goal. And then I, I did a 40 minute album and I actually did one hour for my, the, the taping for both shows. Yeah. And we, we kind of took what we wanted and it ended up being 40 minutes. And so, uh, the independent labels for sure, they're very great when it comes to like scouting, who's, coming up and uh seeing who has the potential for an album because there's a lot of comics over here like it it, it isn't just toronto right there is a yeah. lot of obviously amazing comedians in toronto but you know there's a lot of uh talent here as well so they did a great job um all the labels over on the west coast it is true and i mean you know that whole adage of like toronto was always the sort of final destination in canada Mm -hmm. you know we that dynamic has shifted I mean part of it was because of what happened the last couple of years a lot of people went back to their home scenes and went back you know they wanted to be around family and friends again and sort of you know when things went on pause but coming out of that now that sort of changed the dynamic in Canadian comedy now we are seeing places like Vancouver uh and Calgary boom again and seeing all these scenes sort of happen again and comics are realizing well no but I'm putting out albums I'm putting stuff out online. I'm releasing stuff digitally. I can just stay and work where I want now. You don't have to go to a certain place geographically anymore and do this stuff. Oh, for sure. Like, um, it's especially even when it comes to like, I'm in America, like everything transitioned into like zoom, like meetings and, and even like writer's rooms, um, for TV shows. And, uh, uh, the only thing that was in person was like acting gigs. 
um and even still like they they come up to canada to film so much yeah so so a lot of times yeah i i don't think it's like um uh, yeah like you said like before it was to just like transition to the states but not every scenario now i think like uh there are some ways to definitely like um stay in canada it is funny too like you know as you said you're th you were three years in when you got approached to do this album that is very fresh early on and i mean mm -hmm. they uh, they had a sense for it obviously because you just took home album of the year so i mean <laughs> it worked but it is funny because it's also you know you're sharing this roster like the other nominees is really a cross-section of who's who in canadian comedy oh, so you're sure. sort of you're sort of like that's a really good prop up for yourself among your fellow comics too among your peers which is right now is kind of an interesting time in canadian comedy canadian comedy is basically animal farm now that's what like comics took yeah. over the industry i mean the last two years that's we've been talking about this a lot on this show but the last two years that's really who's been kept things running in canadian comedy is the comics it's all yeah. independent labels and and stage shows and sketch shows and and tours all this stuff that was completely driven by comics because the clubs were shut down the networks were on pause on live stuff so coming out of all this it's like there's kind of no more gatekeepers anymore you look at you look at this year's junos it's all stuff that comics built themselves you look at what's airing all over the place on on networks on cbc gem it's all stuff that they picked up that comics were doing for themselves so it's sort of like for you to be able to take home that album of the year it's really you're kind of showcasing yourself to your fellow comics that's who's running things right now is you guys the artists yourselves yeah yeah for sure i feel so fortunate uh like I, I the other nominees are so funny and like their albums were so are so good that it makes my wins it propels it up so much more you know like i i feel very lucky to have won um and it, it makes me feel very, um, I, I guess, optimistic in a way that uh, my age and my my experience does not uh, dictate the judgment of my work because, um, yeah, because in those factors, I obviously lack, but in those three years, like, I did not take a break, you know, like, it was yeah. every night, it was every night, um, multiple times a night, and I know that sounds very uh, um, hard to do in Vancouver, but at the time, I, I started at such an opportune time that um, did, I was able to do, like, but this was rare, like, four shows in one night, that was very, that was, like, the most I've ever done in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, but it was like a every night thing. We had an open mic every night of the week. We had a show like, you know, at least five times, five nights a week. And I was just like doing all of them. I was at every show. If if someone wanted to know who was around, I, I knew exactly who was around. And, um, and if someone was lying about something, you know, I, I knew everything, you know, because <laughs> I was at every show. And I did not let those like three years go to waste. So it was very cool um that the junos recognize you know um yeah well it's funny too you're saying how you know back then you could do three four shows a night in vancouver but it's also important to note those were 
those were actual shows because in Toronto, like 10 years ago in Toronto, you could do like 20 shows a night if you wanted to, but I wouldn't call <laughs> all of them shows. The rule of thumb in a lot of these was basically if there's a bartender that's paying attention, that's enough audience. Like that's you know, you, like you would take the subway all the way across the city for 45 minutes just to go to some dive bar in the West End and you're literally talking to three other comics. The, like, <laughs> And at some point it was just felt like you're just saying this material just because you literally have to physically say it somewhere for the first time and that was it. Like their audience <laughs> wasn't mm -hmm. a thing a lot of the time. Like we'd see comics come here from Ottawa and Calgary and Montreal and they'd go, they'd be horrified. They'd go, <laughs> this is you're doing this you're doing these sets like you're not getting paid what is this <laughs> I mean, in scenes like vancouver it's like yeah you did this album and it went over huge it's like you you kind of in a way had a quality place to sort of cut your teeth at the same time you know yeah i think that's something uh, the other vancouver comedians and i share is that uh we had a lot of quality shows that that is so hard to come by and there was a, a, a an abundance of it a while ago so yeah, yeah we're very lucky and it's blossoming again i mean again it's the the amount of albums coming out of vancouver is staggering all right we're going to come back with more of the winner's circle we've got this year's juno comedy album of the year award winner andrea Jin, right here on inside joke Hey, what's up, people? It's your girl, Keisha Brownie, and you are listening to Inside Jokes, and I'm taking a couple toasts. Where, where you and I was walking, now I run a game, got the whole world talking. King Coulter, everybody wanna cut the legs off. King Coulter, black man taking no losses. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on 640 Toronto, and of course, coast to coast, Canada wide on the Global News Radio Network. Speaking of coast to coast, we are out in Vancouver with this year's Juno Comedy Album of the Year award winner, Andrea Jin, for her album, Grandma's Daughter, which, by the way, I love that title, Andrea. If I could throw you a second album title, yeah, Gin, Gin and Topics. Oh, yeah, that's a great. <laughs> exactly more <laughs> you know, yeah. response, Andrea. Exactly you know, I, it's, it's time. It's time for that second album. But yeah, you took home Thank the you. Juno for, for top album of the year, uh, which again, it's great to finally see the Junos being recognized in Canadian comedy and Canadians paying attention to this. One thing I wanted to get into a little bit is there's sort of this weird PR going on with live comedy right now because you know we're sort of capitalizing on the fact that yes everything was on pause for two years live audiences are back people are excited shows everywhere are selling out and crowds are flocking again there's been all this weird stuff happening in the press about comedy lately though like there was the chris rock slap at the oscars and then everybody in comedy was like oh this is a bad this is gonna signal to people the fact that you can attack comedians for their material now and it was sort of like well no that's ridiculous this was a isolated beef between the two of them but then like a couple weeks later somebody attacked dave chappelle on stage but here in here in here in canada this past week we had our sort of our own kramer incident our own michael richards incident if people remember going back a few years ago i think it was at the laugh factory events yeah for michael richards yeah michael richards you know there was some hecklers in the crowd michael richards who most people know him as kramer from seinfeld uh, he went after these hecklers, but in like a huge racist tirade, which of course 
basically he never his career never came back after that he's sort of been apologizing for it ever since but he really just launched into it um we had a similar thing happen in canada this week at rumors comedy club in winnipeg uh new york comic rich boss was playing there and again there was a table of i don't know if it was like loud audience members he sort of launched into this whole anti-indigenous rant and walked like 30 or 40 people out of the room do you think stuff like this, Andrea, and I know we just kind of told you about this during the break, but when you, <laughs> when you see these weird things happening in the news lately, is it like, do you think there's any risk of like all these people who maybe were watching specials and listening to albums the last couple of years during the pandemic who never had thought to go see a live comedy show before and now are like, I want to go and watch live comedy now that I can because I was watching and listening to all this stuff during the pandemic. Do you think when you hear weird stories like this in the news that there's any sort of risk of them of them sort of scaling back and being like, oh, I don't know, I, like being hesitant to go to live shows now because of this stuff? I think um, I think it depends on kind of what kind of person they are, because some people I'm sure like are they want that to happen. You know, they, <laughs> like they want. Yeah, exactly. Some people, you know, the people that like slow down when there's like a bunch of police cars and they're like, or they park and they like go and look at the wreck, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, those people, I feel like they'd be like, oh, I, I better go to a comedy show. But like, I mean, I think everyone knows that it's like a isolated incident, you know, and not all comedians are like that. And uh, uh, so... I would say generally, um, comedy clubs and rooms and shows, um, are, are going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, a, right? yeah. 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 And not it's in the a, title comedy club, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's not going to be a, a racist or hostile <laughs> experience most of the time. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you know, I hope it's not because, you know, like it's it's such a privilege to have comedy shows back. It so. is. And I mean, you know, I really do think we are going to see a new wave of audiences out there. Again, people who pre-pandemic might never have thought to go see a live comedy show who've been at home streaming all these specials and checking things out, listening to content. We hope that those are the crowds that are now going to be like, oh, yeah, I, I want to go out and watch these performers live. That's almost a good disclaimer. Andrew. It's like live comedy 95 percent chance no one will get punched in the face or <laughs> get called a racist <laughs> it could happen but it most of the time doesn't that's basically it yeah that's exactly <laughs> what i mean <laughs> it's like skydiving you probably won't die you could but it'll be fun that's you know yeah if you don't it's great it's a great time <laughs> <laughs> there we go uh, before we do let you go, of course, where can people find you on social, catch you live, and of course, check out your album, Grandma's Daughter, which again, picked up the Juno this year. Where can we find you online and all that good stuff? Yeah, I'm at Andrea Jin on my socials, at Andrea Jin one I have, a, I have a one at the end of it on TikTok because someone took the... Anyways, yeah, Andrea Jin. <laughs> Are you on TikTok, Andrea? Yeah, I'm on TikTok. It's actually going great on there. Um, you find so... it fun? That's the new platform everybody seems to be streaming to. Yeah, yeah, I know. It went from just, I don't care about it, to like the number one place I care about now. So yeah, <laughs> at Andrea Jim one on TikTok. 
There we go. And of course, for everybody out there, do not miss, check it out, this grandma's daughter, this year's Juno Comedy Album of the Year. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us. And of course, we're going to wrap up the show and play a little segment from Grandma's Daughter right here for all of our listeners. Uh, that is our show. Thank you to Andrea Jin. Thank you to Courtney Gilmore. Don't forget, you can listen to all of our episodes right back to the beginning on Global News Online. We'll be back next week. This week's Comedy Rx is Andrea Jin. And so when I was 10 years old, I, I came here and I was growing up around like white children and I felt like I had to tell everyone that like my favorite Disney princess was uh, Mulan. Right? I just felt like I had to, you know, just for China, I think. <laughs> I don't know. And yeah, no, it's because like uh, I didn't actually like Mulan that much. I was just like lying to everyone. <laughs> My secret favorite princess was actually Sleeping Beauty. Uh, yeah, because she was asleep for that whole movie. <laughs> And when she woke up, she had a castle and money, right? Like, that's magical, you know?